Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. You know, when I got married, I really did not know much about relating to other people. And you know, when you don't know it, it can cause you a lot of problems. But not only that, in a marriage, it can cause you problems in the workplace because you don't know how to uh, relate to other people. Maybe you don't know how to communicate to other people. And consequently, you just keep running into brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. And you look at everybody else and you say, what's your problem? But let me give you a little cue here. If you are all the time having problems in relationships, everybody has problems. But if everybody you try to relate to, you know, you just have to back up and say, whoops, that's not for me. Whoops, that's not for me. Whoops, that's not for me. Then you better stand still and see what you need to do instead of pointing your finger at everybody else and see what needs to happen in yourself. And you know, there is one thing, this is for sure. The more I read this book, the more I realize that God is dealing with how I relate to someone else as much as anything else I know in this book how to treat people, how to get along with people, how to talk to people, how to communicate. And it's very important. You see, and what a lot of people want to say is this, well, just give me the meat of the word. Honey, that is the meat of the word. Love one another. Know how to treat and serve and, uh, you know, be with other people. And treat them with dignity. See, that is. And see, it's so funny because the people who usually say that are the very ones that need to take a look at what I'm saying more than anybody else. (laughs) Give me the meat of the word. Give me the end times. Yeah, give you the end times. But if you're going to make it to the end, if you're going to hold out to the end, you better know how to get along and relate with two other people. Now, I shared with you uh, in a little report that I read, and it was talking about employers said their number one problem was employees that didn't know how to get along with other people. Christians, I mean, should Christians, should we know how to get along with other people? Well, we should be setting the example. But see, sad to say, many times we don't know how to relate to other people. So we're not setting an example or at least a good one. We're part of the problem. But I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution, don't you? I can tell you, you know, uh, 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 being here in the church and and, uh, supervising many people. You know, we had a daycare and then we had a school and then the church staff. And at one time, we had 40-some people on staff here. And I can tell you, it is a problem when people do not know how to relate to one another when they're touchy or when they're fretful or they can't get along with this one or so-and-so said something to me and what did you mean by that and blah, blah, blah. Here we go. Trouble, trouble, trouble. You see, and it all happens because people don't know how to get along with one another. And I'm going to give you a key here. Husbands and wives many times do not get along because they don't know how to relate to one another. I'm so glad you're here with me tonight. 
Because it's true. Because men are different than women. Did you know it? God made us different, didn't he? The, ma- the woman was taken from the man, and in that process, the woman has uh, uh, things that are intrinsic that are different than what's inside a man and the way he thinks and operates. And if you try, wives, uh, to, uh, to relate to your husband the way that you have to all your girlfriends, you're going to have a problem. <laughs> and husbands, if you think that you can relate to uh, your little sweetie, the way that you've always related to those big burly guys that you, you know, rub shoulders with, guess what? It doesn't work. So we have to learn to relate. Well, I don't have time for that. Jesus is coming. <laughs> yes, he's coming, but it's going to be a long trip for you. <laughs> if that's your attitude. So what I'm talking about tonight is not trivial. It's very important. Make a decision not to judge others. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter number 5. Now I want to go to 7 first. Matthew 7. Are you with me? Yes. Say, I'm with you. I'm with you. Now I'm glad you are. I just hope you can stay with me. No, I know you can. You guys are tough. Okay. We're talking about making a decision not to judge. And this is out of Matthew 7, verse number 1. Do not judge, amplified, and criticize and condemn others so that you may not be judged and criticized and condemned yourself. For just as you judge and criticize and condemn others, you will be judged and criticized and condemned. You getting the message? And in accordance with the measure you use to deal out to others that judgment, criticism, and condemnation, it will be dealt out to you again. Now, boy, when we're talking about 30, 60, and 100-fold as it comes to, you know, you giving your finances into the kingdom, your tithing, and your offering gifts unto the Lord, oh, I tell you, just deal them back, Lord, deal them back. But I tell you, you don't want it coming back if you're a critical person. Now, I got to thinking about this. Uh, you know, in the hospital, um, I, uh, recently I've gone to see several people in the hospital, and they were in critical care. Now, when they get in critical care, I mean, they have got, it's like they're almost under a microscope. You know what I'm talking about? You go in there, and I mean, they're giving you care around the clock. They're looking at your vitals. They're studying you. They're going to make sure that, uh, you know, as much as they can, everything is going to be done for you. Well, that's critical care, and they've got that magnifying glass, okay? And, And when you talk about being critical, it's really an intense focus in upon someone or something that they're doing. And if you will see that, if you take a person and you had a magnifying glass, I tell you, I put my makeup on. You men will just love this. You know, I put my makeup on and I've got this uh, seven times magnifying glass. I don't even know what I really look like. (laughs) You know, I look in that thing to put my makeup on and and you know, I see all this. I'm not going to tell you what I see, but... But anyway, it points out, listen to me, every flaw that I have. 
every flaw that I have, that magnifying mirror is showing it up. Now, if you have a critical, judgmental, and condemning spirit about you, you'll take that magnifying glass out and you will not see one thing that is good with somebody because all you're doing is looking for their flaws. Let me just see, Shalonda, if I can just... You know. <laughs> You see, all the good qualities that Shalonda might have, all the good qualities, the loving person, you know, a person of faith, a, a person of joy, you know, just uh, 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 loves the Lord and, and all these things. See, I miss all that because I'm up there looking in the magnifying glass, the critical glass, if you will, to find every flaw that she might have. If you wanted to find everything wrong with me that you could, I'm sure that you could find a lot of things, but you know what? I could look at you and I could see a lot of things wrong too. But you know, it's not, we don't need to be looking at one another in that way. The Bible talks about forbearing one another, putting up with some things in people. And it's very important that we, as the body of Christ, we practice this among ourselves and we take it out of here. It just doesn't, you know, we, we love and, and minister and think the best only when we're here, but we take that same uh, concept out into the people that we deal with. We're not focusing in on everybody's wrong, uh, bad points, but we need to think the best of people. Can you say amen? amen. It's really important uh, for us to make that decision that, that we're going to live that way. I like what Robert Louis Stevenson said. He said, make the most of the best and the least of the worst. Make the most of the best and the least of the worst. What does that mean? Play up the good points in a person, in a church, on the job your employer, the workplace. You say, well, am I supposed to bury my head like an ostrich? No, you may know things, but you need to pray about those things. You don't need to be out talking about them and running people down. That's right. Because I'm going to tell you right now, that's what happens to destroy churches all the time. And you guys know that this is true. You know, you have fried pasta for lunch. And then wonder why you're not receiving what, you know, and everybody around you is being blessed. They're growing and you're not. And you wonder why it's because you've got the critical, condemning, judgmental, magnifying glass out possibly could be. Well, bless God. I just don't like those women preachers. It's the way it is, folks. Sometimes life is tough, isn't it? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I, I kind of like women preachers, don't you, Pastor Ginger? Yeah, I do. Now, I know that's none of you in here, though. You don't feel that way. I know, I know that couldn't be you. Okay. So we read here uh, that he tells us with how we deal out judgmentalism, criticalness, to others and uh, in, in other situations, that's the same measure that it's coming back. And I tell you what I had to do one day. I just had to take a long look at myself and I had to critique myself because 
I was not brought up to be judgmental and critical, but I hung out with people that were, and that thing got on me. I'm going to tell you something. There's sometimes in some degrees that that it is a real literal spirit, and it needs to be broken off of you, and you might need to get somebody to pray with you about that. I'm not kidding you, because some people get so caught up in it. You know, I've gone to churches before, and honest to goodness, I know one, they ran the preacher off. He was a good man, a good preacher, very zealous for the Lord, but because all they could do is be critical of everything, every decision because he was progressive and they weren't. Come on. Come on. You know, and, and so it's, it's a sad, sad thing that people are that way. Now, in Matthew 5, 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. In other words, when you're looking at another person and when you're dealing with another person, it pays to give them and allow them a little slack, if you know what I mean, and be merciful to them. He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall, what? Obtain mercy. In other words, obtaining means it's going to come to you. You're going to obtain it. It's going to be yours. You're going to obtain mercy. And so we as God's people, we need to be people of mercy. Can you say amen? amen. I want you to turn with me to Colossians 3. And I know what time it is, and I may hurry. I don't know. <laughs> Who said amen over there? <laughs> okay. Colossians 3. I'm just having fun. Is that okay? Yes. Colossians 3.12. Um, I'm going to read from the Amplified. I like this Amplified. Clothe yourselves, therefore, as God's own chosen ones, His own picked representatives, who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God Himself. Doesn't that make you feel good? Doesn't that make you want to rear your shoulders back and just say, I'm a child of God. I'm His representative. It says, now listen how, how that happens. By putting on behavior marked by tender-hearted pity and mercy. I'm going to tell you something. People who do not put this on and are not marked by mercy and tender-heartedness, I have a question about where they are with the Lord, and I tell you why I do. Because the letter of the law will kill you. Yes. The letter of the law. Well, they didn't do that. They should have done this. Why are, why are they acting that way? The Bible says that you put on. What if, if I'm going to put on, tonight I put on this coat. That means I had to slip my arms into it and I had to wrap it around my body. I chose to wear this jacket. Well, you need to choose to wear tenderheartedness yes, and man. choose to wear mercy yes. and put it on. And that way, when you're wearing it, you know how to treat other people. And it's just like I said, the letter of the law will kill. But what does the Bible say? The Spirit gives life. And the Holy Spirit is in you treating other people the way that you need to. And see, I, I want to say this. Many times when we teach like this, we're always thinking, about someone that is outside our family. I don't want you to think that way. I want you to think about those that are closest around you and then 
uh, obviously the workplace, church, and all that, but don't leave your family out. If you want your family to know that you've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, then you begin to do what I'm saying here. And they're going to take notice that there is something different about you. You can preach the letter of the law until you turn blue in the face and they get tired of hearing you and it's not going to do any good if you do not know how to relate and be merciful and tender-hearted. And he said, clothe yourself in this. I tell you, I've had to learn these things. I've had to learn and I've had to grow in them. And, and everybody's the same. It just, it just doesn't happen naturally to most people. I don't know very many people. I don't know any people. <laughs> do you? I really don't. Okay, so he says to put on the behavior that is marked. See, there's certain behavior that is a mark that tells who you are and what you're about. If you're, um, if you're marked and you leave a trail everywhere you go of dissension, discord, mistreatment, smart-mouthing, you know, always cutting people and that kind of thing, then everybody's going to know who you are. Can you say Amen. amen. So we're to be merciful, we're to put on the mercy, we're to wear it, and we need to understand that we don't need to be the accuser of the brethren. There's somebody who already does that. Do you know who that is? That's right. So we don't need to to have critical spirits. Now, when you talk about critical, let me tell you really what that means. And we're talking about, you know, not judging everybody. Being critical means uh, that you are exhibiting the spirit of one who looks for and points out the faults and defects of others. Well, did you see what they did? You know, instead of, you know, what does the Bible say? Love will cover. Yes. Love will cover. Yes. You remember uh, Noah's sons, one went in and what did he do? He went back out telling everybody of what no, he was drunk and he's in the tent. He doesn't have clothes on. And what, what did the others do? They went in backwards and what did they do? Covered. See, you're not so quick to tell everybody. Now, I'll just tell you, there was a situation lately and someone that had been involved in our lives and we knew that they weren't right, but nobody else knew it. And you can't say a whole lot if you know what I mean. But then things came about, and it was proven just what we knew to be true. Well, you know what? The first thing I wanted to do, everybody, just let me tell you what they did. I wanted to tell you all these years, and I've not been able to. But you know what? The Spirit got on my case and said, love covers. And you don't rejoice when somebody's had a calamity in their life. I don't have to point out their defects and faults because it's evident and other people can see it. And, you know, and we don't need to rejoice for our pound of flesh. Leave that in God's hands. Leave it in His hands. But when you're critical, it means that you're exhibiting, listen to this, the spirit of one. It's a spirit, okay of one who looks for magnifying glass. And once they find it, look here, look here, I found a wart. (laughs) I found lines. 
I knew they couldn't be that age. See, I'm talking naturally, but I'm, it's spiritually speaking I'm talking about. It also means belittling when you're critical. It means demeaning. It means to condemn. And listen to this. It means to cut up. To cut up. I don't know about you all, and I know some of you men cook, and some of you women cook, some of you. <laughs> now, I'm being mean. Because we're trying to get you ladies to know how to cook, aren't we, Joe? We're doing everything we can. But anyway, if I'm going to make, I love to make homemade soup. That's one of my, uh, just all kinds. I've got all kinds of soup recipes. And so I like to try new things. And if, even if I don't have a recipe, I'll make up my own. And so, you know, I get my ingredients out. One of the things I love to put in there is onions because onions give a lot of flavor. And what do you do? You get that onion out there and it's whole. And then you just begin to chop and you chop and you chop and you chop until you get the little pieces or the medium pieces, you know, whatever you want to go in your soup or stew. And you cut that thing. Well, see, that's what we do through criticism and judgmentalism and condemnation when it comes to other people. We just put them on our chopping block and we just begin to cut up people. That's not God. That is not God. It really isn't. That is not what God wants for us as his people, to chop and cut up people, belittle people, to demean people. That isn't the business of the church. The business of the church is to help make people whole, not cut them up and cut them apart. Can you say amen? So that's very important for us to remember that. Now, this is a real good uh, scripture here. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. First Corinthians chapter number 3, and I'm going to read from verse number 1 in the Amplified through verse number 3. However, brethren, I could not talk to you as unto spiritual men, but as to non-spiritual men of the flesh in whom the carnal nature predominates, as to mere infants in the new life in Christ, unable to talk yet. Now, I think that's very interesting. It says, I couldn't talk to you like you were mature Christian adult, but I had to talk to you as an infant, and he said that you are allowing the carnal nature to predominate you. People who are critical, people who are judgmental and walk in that level, they are infants, and they are letting the flesh dominate. Oh, not me. I'm spiritual. You don't know. I, you know, I'm deacon so-and-so, and I'm reverend this, and, and uh, you know, I'm the leader of this ministry. I don't care who you are. If you are walking and allowing the flesh to dominate your life and being judgmental, critical, and condemning, and finding everybody's faults, and never able to look at people and see, even though it may be apparent to everyone else, look beyond that. Have mercy on people. Look beyond faults and see that here is a human being that Jesus died for, that do, does have good uh, uh, points about their life. You just maybe have to look a little deeper. Some people, you have to go deeper and deeper, but they're still there. Yep. Amen. But he says, 
that he had to talk to them as non-spiritual men. See, there are people that are born-again people, but they are non-spiritual. Well, I'm spiritual because I belong to the Lord. No, he said you can be non-spiritual and belong to the Lord and be an infant in Christ. Well, I don't like that. Well, you know, uh, the only one that can determine where you are in your uh, walk with the Lord, whether you're an infant or a full-grown adult, is you and God. And it's not God's fault if it's not happening. It's you, and it falls on my shoulders and your shoulders to develop and grow in the Lord. Can you say amen? amen? But I like how it says that. He said, you are unable to talk yet. Now, isn't that, isn't that just the way that it is? We just don't know how to talk. We're criticizing and condemning and belittling and demeaning through our vocabulary other people. And he said, you do not know how to talk. Well, I can talk. I can say all kinds of things. Yeah, that's the trouble. You can say all kinds of things that are not right. And it's not uh, uh, allowing growth, spiritual growth in your life. Amen? Amen. Okay, so he said, I have fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not yet strong enough to be ready for it. But even yet, you are not strong enough to be ready for it. For you are still, listen, unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh under the control of ordinary impulses. Under the control of ordinary impulses. Why? Because just like I told you a minute ago, I wanted to tell everybody, listen, I want to tell you about so-and-so. I've got some juicy news. (laughs) Yeah, that's the impulses of my flesh, honey. And you're no different from me. What, you have to crucify your flesh. Well, I I just have this impulse. I just want to say it. I just want to do. Yes, we all do. But we don't allow it to dominate us. Let your spirit man rise up and dominate you. Don't allow your flesh to dictate to you. Well, I just felt like saying it, so I did. I felt like acting that way, so I did. Well, you're just unspiritual. Oh my goodness. That's true. I just report. I'm reporter king. (laughs) Okay. For you are still unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh. See, the flesh has a nature, and it's ugly and nasty. Yes, it is. And he says... Uh, the nature of the flesh under the control of ordinary impulses for as long as there are envying and jealous and wrangling and factions among you, you, uh, where am I? You are not, you are yet unspiritual and of the flesh behaving yourselves after a human standard and like mere unchanged men. Now, he didn't say you were mere unchanged men. He said you're acting like mere unchanged men. But how many of you know when Jesus uh, comes into our heart, we are changed. We are not the same. We are made different. Can you say amen? Amen. There are so many things that I want to say to you tonight, and I know I'm out of time, and 
I really do not have time to get in it, but I just want to encourage you to decide and make a decision if you've been a critical, judgmental person in any realm of your life that you make a decision that you are not going to live like an unchanged person. You're not going to be living by the dictates of your flesh, being dominated by your flesh, but you are going to be dominated by your spirit because if you will allow it to, it will get stronger and stronger and stronger until your flesh isn't as powerful in your life as maybe it is right now, and that's very important. So we are not to judge people because the way we judge people is how it's coming back. We're to show mercy. Now, does that mean then, now listen, I believe uh, that the Word of God, everything you preach is balanced. Everybody say balanced. Balanced. Is that a little faith and a little unbelief? No. No, it isn't. It means that you rightly divide the Word of God. Now, does the Bible tell us that we are going to judge the angels? Does it tell us that? We're going to judge in the world to come. We're going to judge? Yes. Okay. So is there a book of judges? Did, did we see judges in the Bible? Okay, so judgment is right. And the one, one place it says, let judgment begin in the house of the Lord. In other words, he was talking to some people who were allowing immorality in the church, and he said, you've got to judge it. Yes. So is he talking about those cases? No. There are times that as a leader, as a pastor, you've got to judge sin. That doesn't mean we judge those people and condemn them to hell. What it means is we have to stand up as the leaders that God has put us to, uh, in the church to be, and we've got to say the hard things, and we've got to bring attention to things that are wrong. So judgment happens, but it happens in the right way. It is not fair for me. I don't care if I'm in leadership or not. It is not fair for me to judge and criticize and pick and belittle people. No, that's not right. It's a sin for me, just like it's a sin for you. But when it comes to immorality, abomination, or whatever in the house of God to a person that's connected or to things that are going on in a society, it's up to leadership to judge that and to say it to the people. But you see, that doesn't mean we don't love people because we judge the sin and we love the sinner. And if a person wants to turn around, we openly receive them back. Now, we may take them through restoration process, but it'll help them not to fall into that anymore. So what I want to say, and I know I'm trying to go real fast and, you know, spitting out a lot of things here, but we're not to be judgmental uh, to another human being, you know, magnifying them, looking for their faults, fault finding. We're not to do that, but we are to judge sin because the Bible says the the church should judge it. He said, are you not going to judge in the world to come? Then you judge right now in this situation in the church, talking about immorality in the church. See, I've seen people get real mixed up about this. (laughs) I remember when I was in a certain denomination in the church, and I remember there was a lady there, and her father was in leadership. Well, she had been married before. She might have even been married maybe separated, and, and she was going to have a child out of wedlock, and it wasn't her husband's. 
Well, and, and I can remember all I heard. Well, now you've got to love them. You've got to accept them. And, and what, what this deacon was saying is you have to accept that as it's okay So because you love that person. No, because you love a person, you speak the truth. Amen. You speak the truth in love. That's what real love is. And it'll help them get off the wrong track and get on the right. Well, you say, well, that happened to me. Well, I'm not here to condemn you. You know, if it's under the blood, far be it from me. But I'm just telling you, when things happen in the church, it is up to the church the leadership to step up and say yes. and judge in that case. But you see, that's not picking people apart. That's right. standing for righteousness right. and a standard. And I'm telling you, if we do this in our pulpits now, there'd be a lot of people that would be on the right track instead of out here drifting around and our society falling apart. The church has got to be the church. And say what's right. And stand for what's right. And love people. You say, can you do all that at one time? Yes, you can. You sure can. It's rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what I wanted to say to you. You, you don't pick people apart and fault fine. But you, in, in cases of sin, there is, is judgment. And it has, to, it has to be done. So don't you get it mixed up. Well, you know, I'm not to judge. So I guess I can't. You know, well, if you're not in a position to where you can do anything about it, That's right. you know, all you can do is pray. Yes. yes. But if, if God opens up an avenue, then you have the boldness to speak the truth to that that's person, right. not in a way that's going to harm them and hurt them and wound them. Even though it may do all of that, it may wound them, it may hurt them, but you speak it in truth Amen. and speak it in love. Yes. You know, uh, I was telling a group the other day that I was ministering to, I was telling them, you know how to tell if you're ministering in love or not when it hurts you to have to say it. And you know how to tell when you're not? When you love it. When you get a thrill out of it. When you just get a charge out of being able to tell them. You know, that's not love. And so I wouldn't speak at that time until I could get myself in an attitude in a frame of love. And when it hurts you to have to say it to them. You see, there have been so many times that I didn't want to say it to somebody. I just didn't want to say anything to them about maybe something that was going on in their life and they were close or in leadership or whatever and you knew you had to. You had to before God. It wasn't about me. It was about their walk with the Lord. It was about their continuing on in the Lord or whatever the case may be. And it hurt me to have to say it and that's how I know that it's okay and it's right. Now, how they respond to it, they may blow up in my face, and I've had people do that before. But you know what? I know my heart. God knows my heart, and it's the same for you. You know, and we just have to leave that in the hands of the Lord. Amen? Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.